What up, what up, Meepsters? This is Ryan Rainbro, and if you're hearing this, that means you're about to listen to one of the 99 free episodes of the Meep Meep podcast available wherever you cast pods. But keep in mind that there are new and unreleased episodes of the show on patreon.com slash meetmeetpod. So you'll want to sign up there to hear future episodes and also other side projects like Choo Choo, the show about soundtracks and contribute suggestions for future episodes as well. Will I listen to your suggestion? <laughs> There's only one way to find out. Patreon.com slash meetmeetpod. Bye! Welcome to Meet Meet, the podcast about album retrospectives with the artists who made them and those they influenced. Let's roll. What up, what up, Meepsters? I'm Ryan Rainbow, and today, strap on your moon boots, because we're going beyond zero gravity with the 1998 album by Both Worlds entitled Memory Rendered Visible. Both Worlds was a short-lived band in the late 90s, fronted by ex-Chromag's frontman John Joseph, and then several members of Leeway. Other bands they were in as well. Very prolific musicians involved in this, but to me it was ultimately John Joseph from Chromag's fronting Leeway. And you know, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit younger. Okay, so when Age of Quarrel came out, you know, I know John Joseph's a lot of things to a lot of people, but one of those things that he is is the front man for the Cro-Mags, hardcore legend and icon. But when Age of Quarrel came out, I wasn't there for it. So for me, Cornered, the first song on the Both Worlds album, that's my We Gotta Know, all right? And what is my world peace, you might be wondering? It's uh, that smoothie video he made on Vice where he says Maka for the Kaka a lot. That's my track, too. So... This album is very important to me in the grand scheme of things, especially in the John Joseph lineage. If we're talking about the things that he's done, it goes Smoothie Video, Both Worlds album, all right? But in addition to making smoothies, John's also making a new record with his band Blood Clot, which has many Meep affiliations. Their former bass player, Manny, he was in the band Glassjaw when they recorded their Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Silence album for Roadrunner back in 2000. Pretty sure everything worked out there. And then their new bass player, you'll find out about later. But I was excited to find out more about the Both Worlds album, not only how the band came together, kind of how they went their separate ways, and uh, you know how this record was made, because I think that this album is really cool and interesting and, and often forgotten about or just not known about. So John was generous enough to, in addition to letting us know about uh, that new Blood Clot record, really kind of let us dive deep into the lore of both worlds, collaborating with fellow Meepsters Mina Caputo of Life of Agony and Derek Green of Sepultura for this album, and going from releasing their initial EP with Another Planet Records to releasing this full length with Roadrunner. So without further ado, let's blast off into the sunset of Memory Rendered Visible. My boy Fred worked at uh, at Profile. They did Another Planet was an offshoot of Profile. So we just gave him the demo, and he was like, yo, this is fucking tremendous. Let me put it out. And I was like, all right, well, let's do it. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. So, yeah, you guys put that out. And then not long after that, you know, you re-record a couple songs, and the, 
the memory rendered visible album comes out but um you know it's kind of like you fronting not that it sounds like this but personnel wise it's you've like fronting leeway you know it's like three dudes that were in leeway so how did that kind of come about yeah, that collaboration I mean, uh eddie eddie's been in a lot of bands he even filled in on some chromag shows eddie cohen uh well you know i was working with aj and uh He's been my friend for years, and we wrote some songs together and with Eddie. And then, uh, you know, one thing led to the next. And I think we had some other drummer, and it just wasn't happening. And I didn't even think, like, oh, yeah, these are all members of Leeway. Eddie, uh, AJ was just like, let's, let's fucking get Pokey to play on this. And so we did. They were just the people in the circle at the time. It just happened to be that they were in that band. Yeah, it was just like, you know, whatever. I, you know, I I, I try to... Uh, Pokey's a very dedicated musician. He just played with Agnostic Front for years. And I always try to um, play with people that are very serious about music in the sense that they respect the craft. And why did you call the band Both Worlds? Well, there was an there was another version of both worlds, and it was me, Mackie, and uh, Todd Youth and Zowie, and we did some shows. Zowie, who was in uh, Leeway, and also Circus of Power, so we did some shows, and we opened up for Red Hot Chili Peppers at the Ritz in New York uh, on the Mother's Milk tour, and then everybody's all in other bands, so that didn't work out. And I, we didn't know what we wanted to call the band. And then AJ, you know, I think those guys were like, let's just call it Both Worlds. And I, I just felt at that time I was coming off of being clean and sober off of drugs. And I just saw how, like, you can be caught up in crazy shit or doing your spiritual practice or whatever. So it's kind of been like that for me for a while. And luckily, I got hold of that now 32 years off the fucking hard drugs and all that and doing whatever i i do to but that that that's what that's why uh we we used that name because that name was floating around for a while and those guys were like it's a great name let's let's use it you know yeah yeah no I'm, i think it's a really cool name and i didn't know if it had something to do with like the uh you know, because there's such a spiritual element, I mean, you even have like Kirtan at the end of this album and the yeah. artwork and everything has a lot of uh, spiritual elements to it. So I didn't know if it was like, you know, the... those guys, those act, those guys were actually musicians at this like vegetarian Indian restaurant in Manhattan and they would sit in the window and play. And I was like, Sarange and Tablas and Sitar. And I had them come up to the studio and I fucking paid them and fucking they love, you know. It's such That's a cool it. way to end the album, especially coming off of yeah. that last song. Just it really kind of flows together and connects everything. What does memory rendered visible mean? Is that a, a Vedic thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like uh, we have the tendency to forget our past and like where we've been. I mean, past lives or. You know, so it was all about like the third eye and like I, I always pay attention a lot to people like I've, I watched this documentary on people doing past life 
regressions um, where they were actually able to go back and tell the fucking house they lived in in a past life and just all this crazy stuff. And uh, I mean, the Vedas say that, you know, whatever consciousness we remember at the time of death, that state will attain in the next life. And I've, I've, uh, I was a monk for two years uh, back in the beginning of 82. And uh, my, my teacher is Prabhupada. And uh, I've always tried to inject some philosophy into what I was doing. I mean, even the age of quarrel, which I named that record was from the Kali Yuga, which is the age we're living in. It's the iron age of quarrel and hypocrisy. So when I came out of the temple being a monk in Hawaii, Puerto Rico, and New York, I re-injected, like came back to the Cro-Mags because originally we started in 81 rehearsing and all that and never got to play a show because things happened and uh when I came back to the band after being a monk I, I I was like wanted to change the tone of what the fuck we were saying and it was about philosophy and I spent a lot of time living in the squat there with Harley and talking all the philosophy and you know I started changing the names of the songs so they had a song, Kill the Ayatollah, whatever the fuck. That became It's the Limit. So I always I always tried to have a philosophical aspect to what I'm I'm doing, even with this new thing, Blood Clot. And it was like that with both worlds. And you know, the great thing about it is, especially AJ, like he played in the Cro-Mags for fucking 20 years, and he's a brother, and was always into the philosophy and uh, he helped me in a lot of, you know, it's it's just, it, it's it's cyclical because, like, I turned him on to, like, the Bhagavatam and these books and all this stuff, and then he, he got really into it. And then when I was having difficulties, he was like, yo, I'm going to remind you of all the shit you told me. And that's that's what that's all about, too, you know? It's like, so he was like, yo, you got to get it together and, and really helped, uh, helped me out in a lot of ways. So, you know, it was a good it was a good thing. Spending time around AJ, he's one of the best people I know. He's honest. He would fucking never steal a dime from anybody. He's hardworking. He, he's he you know, he's he's one of my one of my best friends, man, you know. You're saying he was in the Cro-Mags too, but getting to kind of do a band with this guy that you're saying is such a good friend of yours. And it's such a different thing from anything you did before or after, mainly because you're singing on it. You know, there's a lot yeah. of actual like singing. Were you apprehensive about yeah. that? Nah, I just did what the fuck it was. I mean, we even got Chaka sang on one song from fucking Burn and then uh, Mina Caputo at the time he was going by Keith or whatever, he sang on um, another song. So it's like, I grew up on R&B, man, you know? So I grew up on Stevie Wonder and Motown and all that shit and loved all that music coming out in the 70s. And Oh, wow. I didn't know that uh, you'd ever heard any music other than the Bad Brains. I just love music, man. If you love music, then you should be able to appreciate all kinds of music. And every that I've played with over the years like Mackie and everybody was just like a, a steward of like music it was about good music I saw Black Sabbath in the 70s and just like getting to see all of that stuff and then the punk the punk shit hitting in 77 and 
I was in a foster home in Garden City and they nicknamed me Bowie because I had like crazy fucking punk haircut and fucking <laughs> platform shoes and like in Garden City. And that was like, you know, Lacoste fucking like alligator fucking shirts and, and yuppies. And so it, it's always been about the journey of music, you know, and trying to improve. I, you know, I studied uh, vocal under Don Lawrence and have a powerful voice you know i don't smoke i don't do drugs i don't drink i don't do anything that's gonna listen you put your ego aside i've had people tell me shit i was doing was whack and you gotta you gotta listen to people that's how you improve if you if you're wearing your ego on your fucking sleeve and you're playing music or you're writing or you're doing whatever imagine if my ego was in the way and i was like i'm just you know i've been through all this shit like i I, don't tell me what to that's not what the arts are about. If you want to improve, you got to keep fucking working hard and taking instruction from people. Don't, you know, that's the problem with a lot of musicians. They think they know it all or whatever the fuck. I'm still a student of this art. Don't rely on your past laurels of what you've done in the past. That doesn't matter. We'll be back after a quick break. If you love good music and good podcasts, you'll love Roots Music Rambler. I'm Jason Falls. My co-host Francesca Folinazzo and I talk to the singers, songwriters, musicians, and more in Americana, alt-country, bluegrass, folk, blues, and beyond. We share our own takes on the latest news in the space and recommend new music for you to explore every episode. Come get to the roots of the music you love. Find us at RootsMusicRambler.com or go wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Roots Music Rambler. With AJ being a good friend of yours, and he's the producer on that record, are the things you remember of him helping you with this? I know that you're saying you appreciate singing, so I'm not doubting that, but this is a new yeah. thing for you to do. So was he helping you with like improving oh, your- absolutely. He helped me with the vocals and fucking everything, man. Like, you know, AJ is like, AJ can sing, he can play guitar. He's got, his pitch is perfect. When he fucking hears something that's out, he fucking picks up on it right away. If there's a note that's out of key or you're fucking out of tune, he, AJ's AJ has a perfect fucking ear. That's one thing. I, and he helped and he helped me a lot. I'll tell you, just working with him was it, it was just great, you know, and we had we had a lot of fun and cracked a lot of jokes with Eddie and Pokey and. It was it was a great time. Unfortunately, like, you know, it was kind of re- memory rendered invisible because like, <laughs> the record came out, you know, and it was just some business shit. We were promised a certain amount of tour support and I had my own apartment and everything. And fucking they were like, you're not going to get that. You're going to get this. And I was just like, well, dude, I can't be on tour nonstop for that amount of tour support when the guarantees are nothing like it just didn't work out no hard feelings towards the road running people monty did great fucking work but uh i guess they wanted to cut their losses and we were one of those so uh i I, michael barbiero produced the record though memory rendered visible was produced by michael barbiero michael barbieri did like big records and shit yeah and I think AJ is the one who hooked that up. But, you know, getting it to like, you know, they say you can't polish a turd. So it's like when AJ fucking 
the basic tracks had to be there and AJ and Eddie and Pokey made sure that they did their job and AJ was fucking the overseer of everything I was doing and you know it just uh came together uh pretty pretty organically you know yeah and you mentioned there's some really cool uh guest appearances on here Chaka from well you said from burn for me it's from orange nine but I know it's yeah oh time. man I still I, I still fucking run I I got orange nine on my fucking on my playlist man fucking that record fucking unbelievable man fucking such a great fucking record man and people slept on it a little bit I was like wow and Mina Caputo too you know right so Mina Caputo being on it is extra interesting to me because and I don't know if this is maybe just a, a New York influence that you both have that maybe you can tell me about but on Space Junkies which is one of my favorite songs on here you kind of have like a, a Mina Caputo swagger but then Mina's on the next song and you can kind of hear Yo, AJ, AJ singing on that with me. Oh, okay. A space junkies. Uh, that's AJ, and we worked on that melody together and the chorus and all that. And fucking, so stick around, Mr. Spaceman. I love that fucking song. Yeah. Blast off. Like we're spending all this money to fucking. Why don't we fucking fix what's broken here, man? That was my whole message to that shit. Somewhere out there, there's a world waiting to be conquered. Like, you know, man has this, and it's like mankind has become a fucking virus on this planet. We just saw, like, what the people on this, what the humans on this planet are doing to the planet and to the animals, we've created a hell on earth for the animals. What we've done on this fucking planet is unfucking real. And we are the virus. And we're going to get fucking wiped the fuck out if we don't wake the fuck up. The last song me and Todd wrote together, and we actually recorded it on the sessions that we did for Up in Arms as like, let's just throw this down. And like, weirdly enough, now, also Roadrunner related is I know that you, of course, would have known Mina and Chaka. Just you guys are all New York people. But uh, Derek Green, who had just joined oh. Sepultura, is on the record on both worlds. How did you link up with him? Were you friends with him? Yeah, Derek's my homie, man. Like fucking I met him fucking years and years ago. He was in a band in Cleveland and then moved to New York. We used to work out together and, you know, doing the plant based training. and. So he's just been a friend of mine forever. I was happy for him when he got, you know, the Sepultura gig. Oh, so you knew him before Sepultura? Oh, yeah, way before Sepultura. We used to work out at fucking Gladiator's Gym, like the fucking hardcore, old school fucking Boricua fucking gym on 6th Street <laughs> in Alphabet City. They used to, everybody called him Predator, like, you know. <laughs> He a big motherfucker with dreadlocks, and you know the Puerto Rican motherfuckers are buck wild. They're like, "Yo, predator!" <laughs> like, do you remember making the video for uh, "Over the Edge"? Yeah, <laughs> that was on the East River 
in like some fucking demolished fucking building and like there was fucking junky shit everywhere and needles and like it was fucked up but yeah you know it was uh i like that song uh a lot because i think people try to push you sometimes and they don't know like alright this motherfucker's on the brink of snapping and then people get their feelings hurt so that's kind of what that whole song was about and uh it was coming off of like that band can't you know it was like coming off of some fucking crazy shit that was done to me uh ratting me out to the government just betrayal after betrayal and i was like yo you're only going to be able to push motherfuckers so far and then the hammer's gonna come down man and i you know and, and that's what that song was about so, you know, not just directed at anybody in particular, but just, you know, people go through shit in life and you got to know when to back off, especially now with this Internet shit. All these motherfuckers, I seen somebody, uh, you know, always talking shit. And then I see him on the streets of New York and he tries to walk by me. And I was like, nah, motherfucker, it ain't like that. Just be cool, man. Just be a cool motherfucker. Don't talk shit. The way it was in the old school, you had to watch your P's and Q's. You don't just go run in your fucking mouth. Where I came from on the streets of New York, you 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 could be killed for that. You know, and now everybody thinks everything is like whatever the fuck. I just don't eat. I just try to stay positive and do my shit and do whatever. But, you know, that song's about some people fucking pushing you to the point where it's like now some fucked up shit's going to happen. You know, my, my circle has tightened over the years for sure. And that's just what you got to do in life if you want to make shit happen. I'm not, I'm doing all this shit. I love that song and I love the lyrics to that song. Just like I love Space Junkies or Cornered. Because people don't realize, like, Cornered, it's like you corner a fucking animal, man. And it's going to fucking fight for its life. And these motherfuckers... Half these motherfucking silly ass kids don't even understand what it was like on the fucking streets in the 70s or going to fucking Spofford and being the only white motherfucker in the whole place and having a target on your fucking back and motherfuckers shanking you and like, you know, having to fight for your fucking life. My friend, he he did fucking 15 years in Sing Sing and Comstock. Like a five foot four fucking Puerto Rican dude. This ain't the UFC. This ain't you being an armchair quarterback and being, you know, thinking you know how to fucking fight because you go to train some jujitsu or whatever. This is, that's, that motherfucker studied Puerto Rican judo. You don't know if I got a knife. You don't know if I got a gun. You don't know what I got. These people don't understand that these, there's people out there that will take your life in a second. So be respectful. And if you corner somebody like that, you better be ready to fucking put your life on the line because you were going to come out hurt or maybe even dead. 
So I, I was kind of getting into that vibe of like being pushed into a corner and it's like there's only one way out of that and it's forward. And if you're in my fucking way, then it's going to be whatever happens, happens. And it's not bravado and tough guy bullshit talk. It's like that's the reality of the fucking streets. If you corner me, then it's going to go down. But yeah, that's what that song was about. That whole thing, like animals get very dangerous when they get when you corner a fucking animal, man, or you corner a person, some shit can happen. So. And and I, I was just relating that to all the shit I've seen. They if you if you're cornered, it's only one way out, or you're gonna get chumped. And I wasn't getting chumped. I just try to write shit that I live. If you if you don't live it, don't write it. What is hate mantra about? That's about fucking racism and fucking how it's like, you know, people that. Make a lot of assumptions about me now. They don't even fucking know. It's like all these people just talk shit. I went to fucking lockup when the 5% is Nation of Islam were attacking every fucking white person in the system. I was a monk for two years. There was never a racial incident in the temple. Everybody was dealing on a spiritual level and looking at people spiritually. And we're not the body. That's the first lesson of spiritual life. Ahambramasmi. You're not black. You're not a woman. You're not any of these fucking things. You're not an American. The soul has no designation. So when you write, when you deal in life on, that solves all the problems. That was, if you read in the Science of Self-Realization by Prabhupada, he said, what is the peace formula? What's the peace formula? There's all these wars. There's all this shit. People are claiming property that aren't theirs to claim, and they're in the bodily conception of life identifying as white, black, this, that, the other fucking thing. Just get, just try to get along with each other, man. And if you do it on a spiritual platform, you're never going to have any of those fucking problems. And that's, you know, hate mantra. Everybody has their hate. Oh, yeah, these fucking black people or these crackers or fucking whatever the fuck. Like, there's no need for any of that, man. There's one race, the human race. That's it, you know? And let's make the planet a better place. But there's people that are profiting and staying in control by turning people against each other. It's divide and conquer. The media, the governments, they're all in on it. You go to the, you go to any place where they're vibrating on a higher level, you know, on that spiritual level, not religion. I'm talking about spirituality, not whatever your faith is and you don't get this kind of stuff so that's why uh that song hate mantra was there and i think chaka sang on that right yeah because that's my homie why what right do you have to fucking criticize these 
fucking people for the body that they happen to be inhabiting in this lifetime. Let's work together and solve the fucking problem. That's why that's what that song's about. I but all of these problems can be solved when people take to the spiritual platform. That's it. That solves everything. What does uh this cover mean? It's kind of like the all-seeing eye, man, sees sees everything, man, you know? I, I, AJ designed that, put some images together, and, uh, you know, you start to see the interconnectedness of everything on, in life, whether it's Buddhist philosophy or philosophy from India or, you know, the Jain tribe or the Aztecs, like, or or even somebody like who did the four agreements, right? All of this stuff ties in together, man. You know, when you start to see things on a universal platform, you see the the similarities instead of the differences, and you you focus on that and the positivity as opposed to the negativity. So of course, memory rendered visible by both worlds comes out in '98 on Roadrunner Records. And nearly 25 years later, you have a new project coming out under the name Blood Clot, which has gone through uh, quite a few lineup changes and just in general personnel associated with it that do directly connect to this uh, kind of meet meet Roadrunner universe. But also, uh, you know, you had uh, to make a decision on uh, some personnel changes just based on the fact that, of course, unfortunately, founding guitar player Todd Youth no longer with us. So can you tell me a little bit about those changes and, you know, kind of how that was all approached? We dedicated this record to Todd. God, you know, God rest his soul, Hare Krishna. He, he passed away after he relapsed. But, like, we were able to pull up those sessions uh, from Kyle McCauley, who did uh, the engineering on that record uh, in California. And we played along to the click track so that it lined up perfectly. And we were able to use mine and Todd's uh vocal on the chorus and even Todd's lead so we played along to the original click track so that everything matched up but yeah a Tom Capone re-recorded the guitar part over it yeah kind of, Tom yeah but we kept Todd's lead in there oh okay wow so Todd that's Todd's lead but Tom Capone yeah played the re- played the rest of the song like the whole the whole record it's Tom and and Tom man one of my favorite motherfucking guitar players, man. Fucking quicksand, unbelievable fucking band. And I just handsome. think get handsome. Yeah, it wasn't my cup of tea, but I, I respect those guys. I knew all those guys. Um, I think we actually might have played a show with those motherfuckers at some point. But, um, um, you know, Eddie was uh, the bass player. And, uh, you know, but. Uh, Tom's another one, man, just one of those guitar players, you know, he never got the credit that he should have got for quicksand, you know, like, he was an integral part of that fucking band, but, you know, and, like, you know, we all have our struggles, and and it was just great that we came together uh, in this lineup, Craig Craig played on the record, uh, because our bass player uh, had has like a kidney disease and was all fucked up and like couldn't travel or nothing and we were getting ready to go in and record and I asked Craig just to step in to play on the record 
and he fucking crushed it. But uh, we have a bass player, uh, Christian from Violence, plays with is is in the band now. Beer Factory. That's right, bro. And he played upright bass for fucking uh, Cypress Hill. I love that motherfucker. He stepped in. He already wrote a fucking, you know, already wrote a song for us. So the next uh, couple of songs with him and put it out. And But he's a solid motherfucker, man. And his vibe is there. His head's in the right place. And, and Darren from Madball, absolutely fucking, he was... Played on a Madball record, and he was in Maximum Penalty. But he he filled in for Mackie and the Cro-Mags on a tour. I think it was the tour with Hatebreed. Mackie's mom was sick, so Mackie couldn't go. And Darren filled in and just fucking crushed it. So when me and Tom started writing, he's like, yo, who could we get to fucking play drums? And I was like, this guy played the shit the right way. And... And he put, you know, everybody put so much work and dedication into it. That's what it takes. Well, you know, interesting for me personally is having Christian be the bass player because Fear Factory was a Roadrunner band and he's replacing Manny, who was in Glassjaw, who was also on Oh, Roadrunner. you know it was Manny. All right. I, I, I didn't want to fucking say his name. I love Manny. And uh, he actually played. We kept that track because... We kept, I wanted to honor him in some way because he's going through a real tough time physically. Like, I don't, like, and we wanted to honor him in a way. So we kept the How Low Can a Punk Get track, which he recorded. He plays bass on it. I mean, we could have re recorded it, but I said, let's fucking, let's, you know, let's honor Manny, man, for his dedication and what he did. And it was a nice, it was a nice gesture and he absolutely killed it on that track. And yeah, man, he's good people, man. That's our job as artists. Just like when I wrote age of quarrel, the songs on that malfunction, some, you know, and, 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 uh, it's the limit and we got to know and fucking all this shit seekers to the truth. I had to write about what I was living and going through at the time. Right. And that's what this record is, too. That's what artists do. You know, some of the best art came out of the toughest time. Now we got Christian in the band, and he already fucking wrote shit. We got more, way more, like, other material that Tom wrote, and Darren, and fucking, you know, so it's like, just keep creating, man. If you're an artist, make art, and make, make revolutionary art. Now, your vocals on Souls, I'm sure I will not be the first to tell you, are very reminiscent of what? The Slayer. Right. <laughs> I love fucking Slayer. I didn't bite her. I, I'm doing different shit from Tom, but like, whatever. I, if you want to say that, I take that as a compliment. Laz from El Nino produced that record and we worked with this guy Johnny Pyro who's a vocalist himself and I would not have the vocal performances I had on that record if it wasn't for Johnny Pyro and Laz working together with me and Tom you always take input from people and Johnny Pyro being a singer himself it was helped me immensely 
We'll be back after a quick break. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little you mean? Yeah, yeah, we all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying to oh, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. get them on there. Yeah. 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 We all artists, man. We go you feel me? We gonna have this like Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. This I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I gotta don't play with it. Take that shit serious. And like you said, Laz Pina of El Nino fame, he produces the record. And guess what? El Nino, meet, meet, baby, another Roadrunner band. So you don't have to go number one if you can't think of just one. But what would you say your top three El Nino songs are? Go right ahead. Uh, I can't even think of it right now. My mind's fucking all over the place. But And Laz is like one of the fucking sweetest. That shit all happened like... It was so cosmic because Rob Dukes, who sang with Exodus, yes, Dukes filled in on vocals and then he did this new record. And he wrote me and he's like, yo, man, I got this song. It's all anti-government and anti-New World Order shit. And he sent me the lyrics and the track. He's like, yo, would you want to sing a couple of verses? And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. So he's like, all right, we're going to do it at my boy's studio in Jersey. And I rode out there, and it's Laz's studio. I was like, and Laz, been around since forever in New York. Like, seeing the Bad Brains in the 80s, and he's a fucking veteran, man. And then, it, you know, we finished the track, and he was like, yo, what are you doing now? I was like, well, I, I played him the demo of Blood Clot. He's like, holy fucking shit, what are you doing with this? I was like, nothing. He's like, yo, let's record. Bet, I'm down. That all came out of me singing on Rob Duke's new record that he has, and um, thing is, is like Todd was not just a dude in my band. Todd was a friend of mine since he was a little kid. When Todd ran away from the foster home at 12 years old and came 13 or whatever and came to Alphabet City hanging out, I fucking was like, yo, anybody touches this fucking kid and you're gonna get fucking dealt with. He was like my little brother because he came out of a foster home. I came out of a foster home. I was coming down fucking 77 to Max's Kansas City and fucking CBs and all that shit and punk rock. So I identified, you know, with what he was going, with what he was dealing with and, um, you know, him dying, it wasn't just losing a band member. It was like, this dude was like a friend of mine. He was a god brother. He was chanting Hare Krishna. We would chant Hare Krishna together on the beach. It was like almost two years. And I'm like, I, I want this band to continue. I talked to Joey Castillo. He was like, yeah, man. I talked to Nick Oliveri. I said, listen, I got Tom Capone, man. He's fucking killing this shit. I asked Tom to be in a band. He was fucking, I love the record. I fucking always wanted to be in a band with you. I'm down. We flew out to LA. He rehearsed. Those guys were blown away. He's like, holy fucking shit. It's like the ghost of Todd in the room. So it was like, 
he was in. And those guys understood that, and they were doing other projects anyway. Joey was been uh, getting ready to go out with the Circle Jerks and mon Mondo Generators, Nick and shit and whatever. So they was cool with it. So it all it all worked out. In reference to Memory Rendered Visible, the Both Worlds album, what is something that you would have done differently with that album looking back? Uh, I would have wrote a little more like hard shit. I think we had some other tunes that were like more aggressive and, you know, AJ was really into like Foo Fighters and shit at that time and wanted to, you know, uh, I'm, I'm happy with everything. I just would have, would have wanted to put some more stuff reminiscent of where I came from you know it was it was it was a challenge you know and i challenge accepted well on the other side of that you know like you said you did rise to the challenge what is something that is your favorite memory of this time you know what's something you look back fondly about the both worlds era oh just like getting out there and putting that record out and getting the deal and uh you know um and i don't mean that from like any kind of monetary sense because we didn't make shit off that record and uh i um and and just going out and traveling with those guys we opened up for the misfits and we opened up for helmet you know if you're a musician write and create and things will happen you know it's like my writing teacher said you do things for the love of the craft itself and i think at that time in the 90s it was all about Oh, I'm getting the record deal and tour support and all this shit and salary. And like people put the money before the music. And where are all those fucking bands now? You got to love music and the gift of music. And I always have since I was a kid. It's all that got me through all the shit I went through in foster homes and streets and lockups and every squats and fucking everything else. It was always the music. We got to sound like this. No, there's a reason in the 80s and the 70s, all the punk bands sounded different, right? Because everybody stayed original. Look at the damn, look at the bad brains, look at the circle jerks, look at fucking all of those bands that came out of the Sex Pistols or, you know, the Cockney Rejects or the Specials. Everybody did their own thing. And then it got to be like every band was a clone of the next fucking band who was on hot rotation on MTV or, or who got the record deal and everybody trying to sound like Soundgarden. And it just got to be fucking stupid. And I'm like, just be yourself. Do the music because you love the music. Don't worry about the payoff. That's my message. Don't, don't do shit thinking... You're going to get a payday out of it. It's like, just do shit because you love it. Yo, Maka for the Kaka. Thanks so much to John Joseph for talking to us about this album, Memory Rendered Visible by Both Worlds. An album that uh, I don't want to say underrated because I feel like people just don't know about it. So hopefully this uh, got you familiar with it and you'll go check it out. Or if you didn't know about it, 
Go check it out, but not before you do the following things. Number one, keep your eyes peeled like in Hellraiser for the Blood Clot album on Upstate Records, Inc. On Instagram, at Upstate Records, Inc., I should say. Upstate Records? Meep adjacent to the max. They got Freya with Carl from Earth Crisis. They got Kings Never Die with my man from Dog Eat Dog. So, I mean, they got all sorts of cool stuff coming out. They got Hoods. Hoods uh, has nothing to do with Roadrunner, but one time I saw Hoods open for Twisted, and Jamie Madrox was on the show once. Remember that Suffocation episode? And that's funny. Everything, everything I just said in that sense is funny. But Upstate Records, Inc. on Instagram. That's the first thing you're going to do. The second thing you're going to do is watch that smoothie video I was talking about that John Joseph makes a smoothie. Very important. Integral. And then finally check out the vocals album and and you know what you can probably do all three at once if we're being honest so learn a little discipline get some multitasking in your life and hey go ahead and join the patreon patreon.com slash meet me pod it's barely a cup of coffee and that's from someone who's never drank coffee before so i don't know how much they cost but i feel like it's probably less than and you get new episodes early you get all episodes ad free and you get bonus exclusive episodes for just you the mega meepster so go ahead and do yourself again do yourself the favor and hey if you want to do me a favor go ahead and share this episode in any episode you like share every episode all 80 something of them up to this point at the time i'm speaking to you with a friend family member business professional person enemy rival and, uh, you know, anybody that you see, stop people on the street. You're in line at the grocery store because you're not using self-checkout because you don't trust those robots watching you while you ring up your turmeric that you're paying $9 a container for. Tell them about the show. But in the meantime, my name is Ryan Rainbow. This is Meet Meep. And yes, that's the best that I can come up with. Bye. Marco for the cockle. <laughs>